getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com/rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. It is Halloween. We're coming to you live, the Huddle Up Podcast. Who knows, Zach? how many viewers and listeners we're going to get to join us here live in the room today, but we got so many Broncos topics to digest that, you know, we just got to take our chances. We're running a little bit late by probably an hour and a half, two hours by when we usually would do the mile high mailbag. But uh, how you doing, man? How's your Halloween been? It's been pretty quiet. We don't get too many trick-or-treaters in my neighborhood. I know you did in, in your neck of the woods. You got your constant doorbell going off, but uh, it's been kind of low-key. I'm, I'm dressed up right now. As you can tell, I got my costume on, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> Zach Kelberman as Zach Kelberman. <laughs> That's right. Keep it Coming simple. to you live on YouTube and Facebook. This is, of course, a live episode of the Huddle Up podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime that you know and love, Zach Kelberman. And we got a lot to get to tonight. Let's welcome those of you who have joined us in the room here already. Colby, Ripple, up, nice, nice name there, nice handle, Doc. Kristen, uh, Blue Seibert, Abigail, everyone that's joining Anthony. What's up, you guys? We uh, we know it's a holiday night, especially family folks out there. If you have kids, you're probably – many of you might even still be out with your kids. Some of you might be following them in the car right now, and your phone just buzzed, and you're like, oh, thank goodness. Something to take my mind off just sitting here watching my kids trick-or-treat. Well, that's what we're here for, and uh, it's a podcast brought to you by Overtime Media. Zach? This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, 
infertile, impotent, Joe Biden, and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I want to touch on this before we get to what is on everyone else's mind. And by the way, you guys, this is the Mile High Mailbag edition of the podcast. We are your football priests. Each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. So whatever's on your mind, fire away. We will get to it in due time. But Zach, I wanted to get your take on what Rich Scangarello had to say today in regards to two issues. First and foremost, he was asked about Joe Flacco's comments, you know, after the game, let's face it, he threw some shade at Rich Scangarello saying that they need to be more aggressive. They're playing not to they're playing not to lose, basically. And let me just read to you verbatim this quote from Scangarello. He there's a few different quotes, but let me just land on this one. He said, quote, you'd have to ask what Joe meant behind that comment. But when I see Joe's comments, I just saw a quarterback that had lost a game and he was very frustrated with how it went. We've lost a couple of heartbreakers. He's a competitor and that stuff bothers him, whatever it might be. And I think in that moment, something he said came out, but it's nothing more than that. He's in the building. He's great. And everything is good. Close quote. And Zach, that kind of echoes what Elway said on KOA radio on Wednesday, which was basically that, look, I used to be a player. I know what it's like to be frustrated when you, when you lose a game like that. And sometimes you say things that you might not necessarily mean or meant to say, but what's your take on what, what Skangs had to say? Uh, it's it's coach speak, and I think it's expected from a rookie coordinator who's proven to be a little in over his head, a little inexperienced, a little green, and uh, I really expect nothing different. I, I don't expect him to push back against the company line. I don't expect him to come after and contradict Elway or contradict Fangio. He really is a soldier right now, and I think he's doing what he thinks is best for business. I can agree with his premise, and I agree with what he's saying, but it strikes me as a guy who really doesn't want to upset the apple cart. He doesn't want to um, you know, disturb one side or the other. So that's my take on it. I mean, here's the truth. Scangarello, I think, was bothered by what Flacco had to say. And and he had an opportunity later in that same discussion. If, if In the podcast version of this that you get in the RSS feed, I might be able to put the clip in. But live, it's hard to do on YouTube and Facebook. But he was asked whether or not it bothered him, and he didn't say it didn't. He His answer was kind of a little bit rambling, but it obviously irritated him, and I think it bothered the team because we've seen over the, the nine years that John Elway's been in the front office that players who speak out against the shot callers of this team and the Elway guys – Mm-hmm. typically suffer some form of a consequence and look no further than what happened with Emmanuel Sanders. Now, that might have been a little bit more of a unique situation being how close they were to the trade deadline, but that definitely factored into all the quote-unquote issues Elway talked about that both sides had. Sanders had his issues, the Broncos had their issues with Sanders, and he was dealt to San Francisco. But Rich Gangarello, though, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we found out today, Zach, from Adam Schefter that the official book on – 
Joe Flacco's timetable to return four to six weeks. That's basically what he learned after getting a second opinion on that neck. So at this stage, Scangarello might not really be ha- – he might not have to deal with Flacco much longer this season if the Broncos end up, as Fangio said today, putting him on IR. Fangio didn't say they were going to put him on IR, but that might happen in the next couple of days. Even if they don't, I think his season's over. They can't come back to him in four weeks and turn back to the veteran who got, you know, I'd say benched for a, a young, unproven quarterback. I'm sure Scangarello on some level was hurt. He's That's your starting quarterback coming out in front of the media and just blasting your play calling. I don't think he appreciated that. He's a human being with feelings. But like I said, considering the way he's been play calling, considering his his newness to the not just the Broncos, but this being a coordinator, I don't think he's going to come out and say something like you said, Chad, whoever rocks the boat suffers the consequences. He saw it with his two big offensive stars. I think he's seen and knows better not to uh, upset Elway, the emperor. All right, we're, we're going to get to your guys' questions here in just a second. The last thing here is I want to remind everyone, in fact, we haven't had a chance to talk to our listeners since Elway made these comments. Actually, no, we did. We did get to publish an episode earlier this morning, but Elway on KOA Radio also talked about how Locke's not ready physically, Drew Locke, and also that he's reliant on what the coaches are telling him, and what the coaches are telling him is that Locke still isn't ready mentally either. Now, let's juxtapose that with what Rich Scangarello had to say about Drew Locke's mental wherewithal at this point. On Thursday, he said, quote, he's done a great job. He's grown, and I think his confidence has grown in a sense, just being around pros and in that room with some guys who are really sharp. They're really detailed. They each approach it differently, how they prepare. He's taking it in his own way, and he's making it into his craft. And I think he's done a great job preparing, and I like where he's headed, close quote. So between Drew Locke telling us on Wednesday he's completely healthy and that he was cleared by team doctors two weeks ago, to John Elway saying he's not ready physically and he's not ready mentally, to Rich Scangarello saying he's doing a great job mentally, this team's messaging on the Drew Locke front it's they're contradicting each other left and right. I mean, that's been the case the entire season. I mean, his timeline didn't never matched up. He was out of commission. No one knew what his injury was for a while. No one knew the severity of it. And I think they just botched this Drew Lock thing from the moment they drafted him. And the the scarier part is, like we talked about a couple pods ago, one hand does not know what the other is doing. They have to be cohesive. They have to be working in tandem. And they're just working separately right now. You can still tell. It's, it's clearly obvious no matter what he says publicly. Elway is number one and everyone else is below and he makes the final decision. We can't explain it. We don't know why the Broncos are dragging their heels. My only explanation, <clears throat> it comes down to two things for me. This is the only way there's any rational sense to this. Either the Broncos are purposefully trying to tank, which I don't believe they are. That's not how Elway rolls. Or the team straight up made the decision they didn't want to have to play Drew Lock this year come hell or high water. And the 2-6 and six start and the Joe Flacco injury are now forcing the issue. And Elway being Elway, he's simply dragging his heels and making this team look like the incompetent Browns of old. I mean, that's kind of – he looks like Al Davis right now, the way the, – the type of – and those are the type of comments and questions he's getting from people. So here's a quick question here. It is the Mile High Mailbag. Rob Hook says, any updates on the O-line now that Flacco is out? All we know is that with regard to Jawan James, he hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday ahead of the Browns game. Vic Fangio said that he's 50-50. It's not as bad as it was when he initially hurt the knee. He's 50-50. But if he didn't practice either day, Zach, based on what we've seen from Juwan James and the way Fangio kind of slow rolls injured players, 
I don't expect to see him. So it's going to be that same starting five that you've all become accustomed to. And by the way, Dalton Reisner, he's okay. And we just have to hope that Garrett Bowles, it's the same story as old child. We have to hope that Garrett Bowles holds up. We have to hold Wilkin, hope Wilkinson holds up. And that's no easy task against this Browns defense. So yeah, no major update. I'd actually be surprised if we saw Jawan James again this season. I think he's a December IR candidate. And I don't, think, I don't really see him coming back from two uh, knee injuries in the same year. Colby wants to know, how do you guys think Brandon Allen will perform on Sunday? I believe our offense will look better due to Allen being more mobile. Zach, your answer. Can't can't be worse. Uh, You can't be more immobile than Joe Flacco. We talked about it on yesterday's pod, Chad. I I don't expect to see some offensive explosion. He is not the savior. He was a backup quarterback for a reason. Um, But, yeah, more mobility, uh, a moving pocket, throwing on the run, more play action. That should benefit the Broncos with Allen under center. I think you're going to see – in some strange sense, a feeling of Rich Scangarello being liberated a little bit because, mm-hmm. let's yeah. face it, when you have a pocket statue like <laughs> Joe Flacco and one who's scared to push the ball as well, it really limits what a play caller can and can't do. And that's not to absolve Scangarello of some of his issues that he's had play calling because he there have been some head scratchers uh, throughout these first eight games. But I think you're going to see Brandon Allen make this offense look – Going against a talented Browns defense, don't get me wrong, but they are kind of a bottom third. We talked about this with Jared Mueller on uh, yesterday's pod, but they're a bottom third statistically anyway. Defense, they've got a great pressure package. they got a great edge rusher um, that Garrett Bowles is going to have to deal with in Miles Garrett. But I think you're going to see Brandon Allen in this offense show signs of life that heretofore we haven't quite seen Zach from this offense just because of his mobility and a guy who's now, look, this is his opportunity he's waited four years for. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that's going to try and strike while the iron's hot, make some hay while the sun's shining. And it's a good point about Scangarello. If anything, we should learn what the denominator was. Was it the play calling or was it Joe Flacco? And I think with a younger, uh, higher upside, at least as a, as a scrambler, at least as a runner, at least as a human being, I think we'll see Scangarello's play calling fit this mold more often. It might take a little while with a new quarterback, a guy who's inexperienced, but yeah, moving the pocket, throwing on the run, it's going to bring some energy at least to the huddle, and we'll know for sure whether it was the play calling or whether it was Flacco that was the, the culprit. Anthony says, do you think Scangarello lasts more than one season? Yeah. I do. I don't yeah. think after all of the, you know, the revolving door of coordinators, even though the Broncos are averaging 15 points and change through the first half of the season, it doesn't reflect well on Scangarello. I think Elway at this stage, he has to recognize, first of all, this is the scheme that he's coveted. This is the scheme he believes, and this is the philosophy he has really hung his hat on as a front office guy and as a player. It goes back to the back-to-back world championship teams of the late 90s. It's the scheme he likes. He talked about this also on KOA on Wednesday, Elway, and that is that you know he is a first-time play caller, Scangarello. He's also learning as he goes. Elway remains faithful that uh, he's going to turn the corner eventually, and I think you're going to see this team give Scangarello at least two years, so long as Elway remains in the front office. At least two years. Yeah, you don't get rid of a coordinator who, you know, they wanted the new Kyle Shanahan, uh, Sean McVay mold. And they have a former Sean McVay quarterback and a former Shanahan disciple. So you can tell the direction they're going in the NFL. And regardless of uh, the Flacco marriage with the Broncos, they're going to keep Scangarello on just for one more year, like you said, Chad. If next year the Broncos are still uh, mystifying us with their play calling, if they're still ineffective, no matter who's under center, then you'll see scans on the on the hot seat. Elvis says, if this QB balls this week, do you make him a starter all year? And what do you think of Gordon to finish off the year, Josh Gordon, and maybe get him for cheap? Zach, my take is, barring a 
Matt Flynn caliber performance, you know, Matt Flynn's circa 2011, you know, season finale where he threw six touchdowns in place of a a resting Aaron Rodgers. I don't think there's going to be any cause or anything that can or should happen to forestall the Denver Broncos from getting Drew Locke on the field as soon as possible. I will preface that by saying nothing can surprise us, though, with Elway, no matter what right. decision That's he true. makes. I mean, we can't be surprised. So We're off the reservation. Yeah, I, I would. I don't see an explosion, but let's say he does ball out. I don't see how you can come out and make this guy a starter. You still have to preach competition at every spot, even quarterback, and, and they are getting lock ready at some point. So even if he comes out and throws for 500 yards, he's not going to be named a starter, I think, for the entire year. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Again, I think he's he's going to surprise some people. It doesn't mean the Broncos are going to win. I think the offense is going to take on a more attractive, let's just say, complexion, a more respectable um, complexion. Here's one from Cubecraft Band. Should Elway be fired soon? I know he probably can't be, but should he be? I believe so, Cubecraft says. Zach, I've reached a point as an analyst and someone that's been watching this team since – yeah, the drive basically. That's my one of my first football memories. Um, I've reached a point where I have to really question and wonder whether John Elway is in the best interest of this team in terms of taking that next step as a franchise post Super Bowl Fifty. I don't necessarily believe anymore that he's the man. As Mark Schlereth so famously over the last twenty four mm-hmm. hours said, mm-hmm. I don't think Elway is necessarily the guy to write this ship. But that doesn't mean he's going to be getting fired anytime soon because the person, the the bowling that the trust has handpicked Brittany, Elway's behind that, which means she's probably, they're not going to pick someone who's going to come in, at least on, under their watch, and fire them. So I I would imagine even if Brittany gets named owner, sole owner in January of 2020, I don't imagine her first move is going to be the clean house. And as of right now, who's above Elway, which is Joe Ellis, and Joe Ellis is not going to make that call. But let me just say about Elway, if his name was John Smith, let's say, if his name wasn't Elway, he would have been fired or at least facing this definite hot seat. But considering his legend and considering the championship he brought to the, the Broncos in 2015, he has that extended period. It buys him a lot of time. Should he be under consideration to be relieved of his of his duties? Yes. But will he be? It's just not going to happen yet. Jacob says, Scangarello wants to get Locke on the field. Elway and the front office are absolutely gun-shy and live by the best chance to win mantra. I hate hearing that. Seventh rounders and undrafted quarterbacks are the formula. Elway continues to believe that, you know, the Broncos are one middle-of-the-road quarterback away, Zach, from winning it all again. But this defense has proved now in three losses that when the chips are down, they can't close. They've had three chances this year to, you know, the 2015 Broncos that won a world championship, that defense in those key moments protecting a lead on a team's final drive, they found a way to get a stop, make a play, you know, force a turnover, get that sack in a crucial moment. This defense, for whatever reason, they're not able to get that done. So this is the type of formula, Zach, where you can't live off the defense. You have to have your offense carry its fair share of the water. That's why they need to get the quarterback situation fixed as soon as possible. But is the ever gun-shy post-traumatic stress syndrome John Elway going to have the intestinal fortitude to uh, and the cashews, as you like to say, pull the trigger? 
That's the million dollar question that we're still waiting on. I, I think he does still feel, you know, uh, gun shy about the, the Pax and Lynch disaster. But as we always talk about, he can't operate on a years old mindset like that. I think he wants to get him out there. I just don't think that he wants to get him out there. And then Drew Locke falls on his face because he feels that's a reflection on him, even though Flacco is too. You really can't explain Elway's logic. We just have to roll with the punches as they come. We will see Locke at some point, but the way they've handled him to this point is indisputably I think incorrect. And that's one of the reasons why I've, I have to admit that I've lost faith that Elway is the guy to turn the ship around because when an organization's moves and decisions no longer make football sense, that you cannot quantify them, you cannot rationalize them, you cannot find them anywhere on the scale of logic to make sense, you got a problem. And that's kind of where we're at now with this team. Sheldon says, Chad, you were right about Locke. When I listened to him for his presser, the guy is confident, eager to start, and smart. Can't wait to see him on the field. He's a he's you know he's what you think of when you think of QB one. That's what he is. He's not goofball Paxton Lynch. He's a guy that eats, sleeps, drinks, lives football. I mean, we learned on Wednesday when when Locke met with the media when the media was allowed into the locker room, I should say, and of course everyone coalesced around Locke. We learned that he's getting into the locker room at six a.m. He's showing up at the facility six a.m. Leaves six thirty seven. Now, that might not necessarily be first in, last to go. We don't know for sure. But if that doesn't showcase the commitment of a player trying to signal at all costs to this franchise, I'm ready. Even just look at what he said yesterday about being cleared two weeks ago. He's good to go. I'm ready when they are. I'm confident. Yes, I'm frustrated that I haven't been able to play. Not frustrated with my organization, just frustrated overall that I had to get injured when I did. This dude wants to play, and he is a QB1. And when he finally gets on the field, Zach, I remain optimistic that you know it might not happen out of the gates, but this is a guy that has some franchise traits. I, I was going to say he literally told us that he's ready to play. He literally said, we're waiting on you guys, to meaning the Broncos front office, to let me on the field. Um, he has that it factor. I put this on Twitter a couple days ago. Uh, he has that that alpha mentality. He has that nature to him. You can't teach that. You can't buy that. You can't inherit that. You're born with it. You have it or you don't. And the Broncos, like they had with Chad Kelly last year, they finally have that alpha quarterback who wants to be great, who who constantly works at his craft. He's the anti-Pax Lynch. And we just, like we keep saying, Chad, we want a way to see that and just give the guy a chance uh, to prove his mettle one way or the other. And I wish I, I wish we could be a fly on the wall to hear what those conversations have oh. been. Because Locke said that he has talked to John, is the name he used, meaning Elway, about the plan, quote unquote. I use air quotes on that again for him, and that you know they have an awesome plan and all this. I would really love to hear how Elway is selling this to Drew, what he's saying exactly, in order to keep his his young quarterback spirits up now. Silver uh, says only a miraculous draft will save this team. And even then, I still think Elway and Ellis need to go. Ownership situation needs to be solved. The dysfunction starts at the top. And Zach, this is just case in point to you never really thought that you'd see it happen considering the town, considering Elway and the legend that he is. But I honestly feel that there's been a majority kind of a, a sea change, a shift within Broncos country. Fans are off the Elway train. I, I was going to say, I mean, he's hit on the last two drafts. He's had really great draft classes, and he set the team up with the young nucleus, but it, it still lives and dies by the quarterback. Until he nails that down and gets that right, it doesn't matter how well he drafts, it doesn't matter who he signs, you have to have that guy under center, and that's what we're screaming for. You finally drafted him, not put him on the field. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> 
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Paul saving up his Halloween candy money to <laughs> contribute and invest Appreciate in the Huddle Up podcast, going with Thank a fifty dollar contribution on Super Chat. Appreciate you, brother. Um, let's see what Oscar says. What do you guys think it will take to get Elway on the hot seat? How bad does this team need to get to change the GM? <clears throat> I don't think it's so. Actually, if the Broncos end up doing the Adam Rank, was it Adam Rank? Yeah, two and fourteen. Two and four, yeah, that was. If him. this team goes two and fourteen, even Joe Ellis, just in the for the sake of self preservation, I mean, I don't know how the how the pecking order goes anymore. I know that Ellis is CEO. He is president and CEO of the CEO. team. CEO, but Elway is also now a president of the team. He's no longer VP of football operations. He is president. So yeah. I imagine that somewhere within the corporate structure, as CEO, Ellis retains you know, um, prerogative to fire Elway. But I, I don't even know if that would do it, Zach. Well, I'll say this. If the Broncos finish three and 13 this year, four and 12, he'll get a pass Elway because he had a rookie coach and he had a bad quarterback. But next year they're going to reload the roster, a lot of cap space. They have some young players in place. He'll have an entire rest of this season and off season, get the quarterback situation. One more shot at it. If they go into next year, they start bombing. They have another five, six win. That I think could be the, the end of Elway. It could signal a change. You just can't have this many playoffless seasons in a row, no matter who you are or what you brought to the, the organization and, and, and the city. And often a sign of a floundering GM in a, in a self-preservation type of move is they draft a quarterback high so that they can sell up the chain of command. Hey, I just need a little bit more time to get this quarterback mm-hmm. to turn the corner. I need time to develop my guy. Because one thing, owners, and even though the Broncos don't have an owner at this stage, owners, and let's just use Ellis as an example, the CEOs, one thing they're loath to do is depose a GM, get him out of there, or a head coach, who had just drafted a quarterback and replace him with a guy who that quarterback is not his guy. They that's why typically a GM it's a it's a successful move in terms of self-preservation to draft that quarterback high and early because it actually does buy them the time. Now it doesn't always work, you know, eventually if if things were as bad as they are in Denver for example, by virtue of Drew Locke's presence alone, it's probably not at least immediately going to turn the ship. It's going to take some time. 
We'll see whether or not that works. And by the way, Stuart coming in with the $25 donation on Super Chat. Thank you. We love you, brother. And Paul, by the way, throwing in a comment. Love the podcast live. Um, Jake says, should we extend Chris Harris and Wolf just because they are the ring of famers and set the tone of our defense? Zach, I think both of us would love for the Broncos to – I think we're on the same page with Chris Harris. We'd love to see the Broncos resign him. Derek Wolf, we probably don't see eye to eye on that. I would would like to see him come back, but – I mean, the question is, you got Justin Simmons. We, we touched on this right before we actually went live. We were talking about this privately. Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson both made pro football focuses midseason all-pro team. That's great news. But the problem is you got Justin Simmons in a contract year. You got $11 million a year going to Kareem Jackson. You've got $7 million going to Bryce Callahan. You got to figure out what you're going to do with Justin Simmons and Chris Harris. How much money can you realistically, you know, have right. allocated to a secondary. Uh, here's the thing. I was shaking my head because I, just because they're a ring of famers doesn't mean you have to resign them. That's bad business. Uh, I agree on Chris Harris Jr. Great corner. I mean, still playing at a high level. If he gives the Broncos something of a hometown discount or a team-friendly deal, I wouldn't mind that, a, a two-, three-year contract. But to plunk down money that I'd rather see go to Justin Simmons or some of the younger players on this team, that's my preference. Derek Wolf, I, I personally don't would like not the Broncos to resign him. They have younger players they just drafted. They have to start a youth movement. He's been a decent player, just hasn't stayed healthy. To me, he's not a difference maker. He's not a game changer. They can get by without him. Chris Harris Jr., if he wants to come back, wants to be uh, put some money on the table for the Broncos, he can come back. I just I, He wants to get paid. He said it already when he got his little extension. He yeah. wants to get number one cornerback money. And if he wants that, I don't see Elway ponying up. One thing I will say is Elway did soften his public stance somewhat with regard to Chris Harris in that same conversation on KOA in which he said, you know, we'll we'll look at it at the end of the year and see if we can't get something done. We haven't really heard him say anything like that. Now, that's no guarantee that they're going to come hard at Harris, but it's the first real intimation or sign or step forward from the Broncos that even shows. And even Harris on uh, Wednesday was like, yeah, that's kind of a new thing that they're saying publicly making it sound like they want me around still. So we'll see how that shakes out. Now, Billy says, I agree with Mark Schlereth. If I was in the locker room, I would be pissed at how many free passes Garrett Bowles has received and continues to start. Most players know they wouldn't get that many free passes. This is an issue we've lamented on the podcast more times than I care to remember, Zach. (laughs) The, the, you know, Fangio talked about death by inches and how if you let it slide the first time, guys, you know, you give them an inch, they take a mile type uh, situation. Garrett Bowles has taken that mile. He's taken a few miles, and it's definitely causing a credibility crisis, I think, in that Broncos locker room. And you you don't know how far reaching that could be. Like if how much is that holding back this team in terms of not just his play, Bowles play on the field, but guys going, look, why am I going to, you know, go out and put everything on the line right. when I know that this is a farce? Because on all 31 other teams in this league, and by all rights, Garrett Bowles should not be a starter by virtue of how bad he's been and how many bad situations he put this te- he puts his team in. The only thing I can chalk it up to, Zach, is that Fangio, he's doing what he's told by John Elway, and as Schlereth said in that video clip, Elway doesn't want any more egg on his face for another busted first-round pick. 
Yeah, I, I don't fault Fangio for this. It's definitely coming from Elway, and I think Abigail said it best. Elway's ego won't bench Bowles. And I, like I just mentioned, if Elway had a different last name, if Bowles wasn't a first-round pick, he wouldn't have a job, let alone be on the you know starting in the starting lineup right now. It, it does signal that there's no accountability, there's no responsibility taken when players don't perform well. It's not death by inch or death by miles. It's death by light years with Garrett Bowles. I mean, the guy is just not starting caliber, and he's literally hurting the Broncos by being on the field, taking him off the field be addition by subtraction in the, in the purest form. Andrew coming in with a $15 donation on Super Chat there Thank on you, YouTube. Andrew. Appreciate you, bro. He says, Locke said himself he's good to go. You can see he wants to get out there and prove himself. Elway just will not pull the trigger. He needs to go. Ellis doesn't have the stones to cannon. It's the truth. I mean, I, I think based on his quarterback decisions, you can make a case that Elway should be fired. I, will he be fired? I don't think so. But he's hurt, hurt the Broncos since Peyton retired with his quarterback decisions. Locke wants to be out there. He's a competitor. We talked about it on yesterday's pod chat. He was coddled at Missouri. He was the big man on campus. And now he's relegated to being, what, the four-string quarterback? It, it's not an easy transition for him. He He's raring to go. They're just not taking the shackles off. And I think there's going through this process, the fact that he injured his thumb, costing him time on the roster, costing him practice time and all. I think this could end up being a, bl- a blessing in disguise for Locke, who, as you said, you know, he's been the man for all these years at Missouri, gets drafted high, maybe not a first round pick, but he's drafted high. And, you know, this is a little bit of a reality check. And then the way the team has kind of managed him this last few weeks and yeah. being medically cleared, and yet he can't even practice. And, I think it could all serve what I'm getting at to motivate him and drive him to when he finally does get his opportunity to play, really try and knock it out of the park. Now, Trick Lessons podcast, longtime listener of the show, he says, I'm not so sure about giving Locke, uh, allowing Locke to play right now. I would be okay with him playing garbage time in week 14 and 15 and then start week 16, 17. Unquestioned starter, though, in the offseason. And we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that, yeah. my friend, because at this stage, this is a lost season. You need Locke to go through the trial and error process and that ugly part that's it's hard to weather that storm when a young quarterback's going through that. What better time for a young quarterback to go through those trial and error bumps in the road than now during a wasted season, Zach? If you're going to rip that Band-Aid off, now's the time to do it. Right. Get him that live bullet experience. Let him bump his head. Let him get through that process so that when he gets back in the saddle, I mean, Jared Goff, what did he go in his rookie year? I think 0-6 or 0-7 as a starter, but that experience – it served him well the very next year. And yes, he was teamed up with the right coach and Sean McVay, but that the, the Rams were able to weather that storm. It wasn't a complete wasted season because Goff got that experience. Uh, it, it serves no purpose to have him play a couple games when you have half the season still left to go. It's not enough audition time. And then on top of that, you're going to name him the starter based off, what, three games worth of action? As much as I'm high on Locke and I think he could be a good quarterback, they have, they're not in the, in the position right now. They don't have the luxury just name starters. This is the one scenario where they need a quarterback competition, whether that's you know Locke versus Brandon Allen next offseason, Locke versus Justin Herbert. They can't declare any quarterback because they're not going to have enough time following that scenario to see what they have in lock. He needs as much game action as possible. Wins don't matter. Stats don't matter. It's all about his progression, but he learns by doing, not by watching. He, he's just, that's the way he's, he's, he's built. All right, you guys, it is a holiday evening. It is Halloween after all. 
many of you are watching from different portions and places in this country and, and the world, in fact. So we are going to cut you loose. We're going to sign off here and let you go enjoy the remainder of your Halloween evening. And a quick reminder, though, you guys, there will be a fresh episode of Building the Broncos waiting for you guys, the Scout Side Preview, on uh, on Saturday. And I'm sure the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast has something cooking for you. And then we will return with the gut reaction immediately following Broncos Browns. So until then, keep your chin up. We'll see how this thing takes shape. We'll see how Brandon Allen does uh, against the Browns. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can see here on the screen how to follow my partners at Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. You guys have yourselves a great weekend, and we will talk to you on the other side. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here on Thursday night on your Halloween. We'll talk to you soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.